what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. This podcast is sponsored by Jackson Creative, a custom communication agency located in downtown Hickory, specializing in online content creation. To learn more, visit thejacksoncreative.com. Jackson Creative, we tell your story. Greetings and hello, everyone, and welcome to The Forecast. I'm your host, Alan Burton. We are your connection to the who's who in the game of golf. We hope to make you listen, laugh, learn, and grow your golf IQ. Director of Instruction for the Allen Burton Golf Academy at Lake Hickory Country Club in Hickory, North Carolina. I'd like to thank our listeners for tuning in uh, and our show sponsors. Find us on TheMesh.tv and all your favorite podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio, and Google Play. Be sure to check out all the other shows on TheMesh.tv, all produced right here in Western North Carolina. Advertising on The Mesh Podcast Network is a low-cost way to reach a targeted audience. For more information on advertising on this show or other shows on The Mesh Network, you can send us an email at info at themesh.tv or by visiting The Mesh website at www.themesh.tv and clicking on the Advertise button. On today's episode, I'm very pleased to be joined by a good buddy of mine, a great golf instructor from Austin, Texas. Good morning to Mr. Breck Spradley over in Austin. Good morning, Breck. How are you, man? I'm doing well, Alan. Thank you for having me on your show. Looking forward to chatting with you today. Hey, look, it's my pleasure, man. I really, uh, I've watched your career from, from a distance. We've, we've met up at several instructor functions over the years and you know, I think you, like me, we're both students of the game and, and diligently uh, study the game, the golf swing, and, and what goes on in our sport. And um, you, are, um, you are in a really, really awesome facility over in Austin, Texas. Tell us about the place you teach and, and what goes, goes on over there in, in Austin, Texas. Sure, yeah, thanks for that. I, uh, I'm at the Barton Creek Golf Academy, and we're located – at the Omni Barton Creek Resort and Country Club. We have uh, an academy, a standalone academy, and we have four golf courses, and we have a big hotel that has about 505 rooms, so it's a big place. And then we have a, a membership and a country club side of it that has, we have, I think, around 1,100 members. So, so there's a lot of moving parts. I'm at a great facility. Uh, there's a lot of avenues of, of, of ways people come into our academy, so I'm fortunate for that. But we do have a big junior program. That's, that's a big thing we do as well. So uh, we, we offer a lot on our menu. We've got, we do some golf schools. Of course, all of that is shut down right now in, in these uh, unprecedented weird times. But um, So all of our groups obviously are on, on hold. But, but we are open right now. And... Uh, we are doing some some uh, social distancing, private lessons. You know, I'm standing eight to ten feet from a student, watching them hit some balls, and I got to tell you, I feel a little more comfortable doing that than I, I do going into the grocery store. So yeah. uh, we're still we're still doing some of that, but yeah, I'm in a great spot. And uh, if you're in Austin and and things clear out and get back to some type of normalcy, we'd love to have you to our academy. 
Well, well, thank you for that invitation. I would love to come see that. I think Austin's a great city, and I know knowing you and, and knowing what you're doing there, I'd love to come over and hang out and, and yeah. take a look at that. That'd be I'd fun. I'd love for you to come in and chat some golf for sure. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Hey, listen, I know you've got a lot of credentials on your, on your resume. You're a Class A PGA member, of course. You're a Golf Channel Academy lead coach. You, you've been given numerous awards, a Harvey Pink Teacher of the Year Award in 2015. Uh, you're named best in the state by Golf Digest since about 2013, all the way up to the current year. And, you know, all the things that you've accomplished over there, you, you, you've been very fortunate, apparently, to spend some time um, not only teaching and doing great golf instruction, but you've, you've witnessed some great golf instruction in your career. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how you, you got to where you are and who's inspired you and who's brought you there and who have you learned from along the way? Okay. Yeah, so I, uh, I got out of school in 1994. I'll be 49 next month. And I actually started teaching uh, right out of the gate out of school. Uh, and, and so I moved to Dallas. I went to a school called Abilene Christian. It's a, it was a D2 school at the time. It's actually D1 now, but we, we had a good team. We actually won the national championship in 1993. We had a really good player and uh, a gentleman from India, Jeev Milka Singh. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of him, but uh, he uh, kind of put Indian golf on the map, played in like three masters. And anyway, he he kind of led the way for us that year, and uh, he was he was a very, very good player. So I got out, and I started teaching in Dallas, and where I cut my teeth was uh, at a big driving range in central Dallas right out of the gate. And we had nine teachers at this driving range uh, kind of in central Dallas. And, and so we had – I was fortunate because when I got there – it was, it was the hottest kind of driving range in Dallas at the time. I think it's a top golf now. Uh, but we had a couple John Jacobs teachers there that had been, uh, obviously were much older than I was at the time. And, and, uh, and, and so I learned from them. We had somebody who was teaching natural golf, which was kind of the Mo Norman method that was just coming on the scene. I had, I had a couple guys there that used to work for Hank Haney. Uh, then a, a lady who played on the tour, who was a really good teacher, Sandra Haney, she was teaching out there. And, uh, and then, and then another gentleman who had spent a lot of time around Butch Harmon at the time at Lock and Bar. Uh, so I was fortunate because I was around all these different ideas and everybody was trying yeah. to make their own way on this big lesson tee. So I would sit around and, and, uh. You know, I was teaching, obviously, but I was new, but I was getting ideas from everybody. And then we'd all go out and have a beer afterwards and, and uh, talk golf. So I was fortunate because I got to hear about a lot of different ideas at the time. So that's where I started. And I was there for about five years. And then I actually tried to play golf a couple of years on all the various tours uh, in 90, 98 to 2000. And then anyway, after that, I got to Dallas. And when I got to Dallas, I mean, I left Dallas, got to Austin. When I got to Austin... I, uh, I was fortunate to land in at Barton Creek and start working under Chuck Cook. And so I spent about nine years with Chuck and uh, kind of that was really where I started honing in a lot of my my ideas that that have kind of set with me the most. And uh, I'm still very good friends with Chuck and, and 
2009, he left and was, I was fortunate enough to take over the academy then, but I worked side by side with him uh, for about nine years. So, and then I've spent a lot of time over the last few years with, with Mike Adams group and, and EA Tischler Terry Rolls and, and uh, certainly gleaned a lot, lot from them. But I also brought in Mac O'Grady uh, to, do, to do a school and spent probably about a year, year and a half after that school talking countless hours with Mac on the phone at night. And those were always very interesting conversations that would sometimes last about three hours or three or four hours. Uh, so uh, spent, spent a lot of time, got a lot of ideas from Mac. He helped, you know, he's helped quite a bit. And then, and I spent some time with Ben Doyle uh, when I was working with Chuck, we would go out and see Ben. Ben was, is no longer with us, but uh, he was a golfing machine guy. So Chuck, so Chuck was a golfing machine guy and still is. Certainly Chuck evolves, you know, has evolved and, and is always researching. But I'd say a lot of my background kind of came from the golfing machine idea, which a lot of teachers I know have. So that's kind of kind of where I've come from and still learning like you. You know, we're, we're in this business to keep learning and getting better. And, and uh, you know, as you know, we, we probably learn more from our students than anybody else because – you know, that's, that's where they're the ones playing the game. We're just giving them suggestions. Right. And so we're getting to learn, we're getting to learn every day on the lesson too. So, uh, yeah, so I've been, been fortunate, but you know, we love the journey of continuing to learn like you. Yeah, that, that's a really neat story. And and I know um, having had those opportunities to share those brilliant minds that you've had, you know, it kind of melts, melts into something that you as a, as a coach take to the lesson to you every day. And that's kind of the, the skill that we have as coaches is we've got a big toolbox and the toolbox keeps getting bigger. And, um, we just try and apply those tools properly to that person in front of us each day. Don't we? Absolutely. That's exactly right. Every day we're, we're trying to find, find that thing that, you know, we, we, you know, like, like all teachers, I think we have our, we have our preferences you know, that's always been a, as you know, a debate in, in probably all sports, but, but golf in particular, as far as, you know, do, do, do teachers have a model or do they you know, not have a model? And, and, and I think, and I, you can tell me your take on this, but I think that you've got to have at least, obviously there's multiple patterns that work. So, so you have to have at least your ideas on what do you think are the important things that need to take place in a golf swing, right? And, mm-hmm. and whether or not you can get somebody really close to your ideals over time, as long as it fits within what works for them, then that's great. But I would say over 95% of the time, you're having to deviate a little bit, right? And so you're having to, you're having to match up, you know, the, now the terms are, matchups and things like that back used to call them variations and and uh you know they're patterns and matchups but we used to call them variations so it's all the same so it's just understanding that and and, and, but at the end of the day the ball has to do the the correct thing doesn't it (laughs) yeah that's it that's really it that kind of goes back to a john jacobs uh statement i think it was he said uh, golf is what the ball does so you know that's it kind of how I teach as well I mean we all look at 
our player and, and what that individual in front of us can do physically sometimes is limited if we're dealing with an older person with some, you know, range of motion issues and, and that kind of thing. So, yeah, we're, yeah. we're, t we're taking, uh, we're taking that player in front of us and trying to get that club to do something that's going to establish proper strike on the golf ball and control the flight of it and, and give that player uh, a predictable flight that they can play and, and, uh, and repeat. And that's, yeah, that's, that's a right. big challenge sometimes. Absolutely. And that's why I think, uh, you know, you can't get around law moves the ball. Right. So yeah. um, one of the things I certainly impress upon my students, especially, especially the juniors, but really anybody that wants to spend time getting better. Um, especially like if you look at the full swing, for instance, and ball striking, I, I call them my daily vitamins that I want them to do. And obviously, mm -hmm. um, you know, as they progress as a, as a player and get better and better, then, then I still think they need to take the vitamins. They might not need to OD on the vitamins as much, <laughs> but so there's certain drills, swing builder drills, I call them that, that, uh, I want them to do quite regularly to, to make sure that they're, ball striking is, is kind of in order with, with, so they never get too far off. Right. So, um, I, I kind of have them do these things quite regularly, you know, for instance, uh, you know, if we broke it down into three steps, like an impact drill, right. So that's the first building block kind of, I call it the meat of the swing. And so, I have players set up in the impact position and I really define it for them early on if they don't, because you know, that you don't know unless you know, right? right? So that's right. Here, here's an impact. And obviously there's not one impact for everybody, but if you take a snapshot of that, that, that picture of impact, it's, it's not that different with a lot of your great players. You're going to find some outliers that are, you know, maybe Colin Montgomery's not going to look like DJ. You're going to find you're going to find some outliers. But if you took it holistically and you said, "Here's some impact alignments that that you could hang your hat on," this mm -hmm. is what we'll call an impact drill, right? Your hips are going to be 45 degrees open at impact, roughly. Your torso is going to be 25 or 30. Your shoulders are going to be a little open to square based on what ball flight because your shoulder complex has has extra range of motion of 20 to 30 degrees so you'll see players with their shoulders that look square hitting a draw but that mid back is is not square it's open so and then where's the where's the weight get your weight left get into the impact of the little y so i i define this position for him and i have him hit shots head behind the ball slightly ball off the left side of the face and I go back to hip high and I want them to hit these basic long chip shots where they're posting up around the left leg, turning the corner with the pivot, hip high to hip high, basically set it impact and thumping the ball, ball first ground divot. It's a striking drill, right? And so that's a daily yeah. vitamin. If you don't do that well, you need to do that well, right? And that's yeah. what I tell them. So, so that's, that's like vitamin one. And then I take them into step two, which would be like the nine to three drill. Now you're going to set up in a normal setup. Now we're going to go back to a nine o'clock L. Now, where is the shaft at that? Ideally, it's going to be pointed at the target line. If you miss the boat at that L position, then maybe a little more vertical. I would prefer than, than too flat, certainly. And then somebody will say, well, what about Matthew Wolf? He's inverted and pointed the other way. And I'll say, mm -hmm. yeah, he is, but 
he needs to lay it back down and get back into an on-plane position coming down. And what I would say is I wouldn't advise that position if you're hitting a 50 or 60 yard shot anyway. Right. So yeah. look, there's, there's going to be outliers always, but, but early on, if they understand where that framework is all, all I tell them at that point at the nine o'clock L is I want a relatively flat left wrist, or if it's slightly flexed and bowed a little bit, that's fine. I ideally don't want it too cuppy unless they have a really stronger grip that the face still is good. And at that point, all you've done is you've turned impact further back, right? So mm -hmm. at that point, that is the impact position that you're just now turning further back up the arc. And now your job is to not screw it up. You're going to rotate through. Yes, the club's going to uncock. You still want your wrist pretty flat. Your right arm's going to straighten a little bit. But now we got to get back through those impact alignments, bump the ball, hit a hard punch shot. In Texas, you got to have that shot anyway. So I want them piercing the ball and, and go to your rotation and get to the three o'clock position on the other side. So that's drill two is the punch shot, right? And then, then you turn back, finish it off with more shoulder turn, try to match up the turn and arm swing pretty well. Now you're turning impact further back rotating through to a full finish. And now you're getting into the swing. So I kind of say, hey, you got to learn to strike it in drill one. I want it thumped. You got to strike it in drill two. I want it thumped. Now, when you do that well, you learn the right of passage to let it go. Now you can, you know, now you get in a debate of, well, you know, don't handle drag it, go ahead and fling it, all this deal, right? So, mm -hmm. so, you know, it's important to understand in my opinion, right, that I haven't really ever met a great ball striker who didn't know how to hit a hard punch shot. Now, if there's a little handle drag in that, then you learn to throw it and fling it. But mm -hmm. when you're flinging it, you're flinging it at the right time, right? You're not flinging yeah. it early. So, so I want them to understand all that. So that's kind of how I would take somebody through the daily vitamins of, of that. And then beyond that, now you're getting into – the, the preferences of where somebody is because I don't cookie cut a swing. If somebody's across, I've got a girl that's top 10 in the country who's vertical and across the line and has to lay it down. And I've got other players that are more on plane and some, you know, I try not to get them too laid off, but if they're, I got a couple that are a little bit laid off and, and, and they play fine from there, but I'm you know trying to sneak them around maybe a little bit, a little more on plane at the top. So, so it's just that part is, is now you're getting into what works for that player, but I still think they need the, the, the understanding of what the building blocks are so they're hitting the ball solidly day in and day out. That's kind of what I believe in. Now, that, that's some golf brilliance right there, I and mean, certainly it's a, it's a process, and every player you know, that learns those vitamins, as you refer to them, they learned it pretty much like hopefully they learned the English language. I mean, we start out with the alphabet, we take those letters, we make some small words, we take those words, we make sentences, and eventually we're writing a term paper, you know, but that the student comes to us a lot of times and they want to write the term paper and they hadn't even memorized the alphabet yet. So you've taken them from, from step one to step three, and you, you've built some some good foundations there for a golfer to become a good ball striker with that. That's, that's great. That's what I like to see. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so did you learn that approach from any one particular teacher or did you just kind of figure out, Hey, this is, this is how it goes. Did you see Chuck cook doing that? You see, no, no, Gray? No. So, yeah, that's, that's a great question. I, uh, so I, when I first started working with Chuck, we doing golf schools and, 
that and to this day, to this day, uh, I kind of call them vitamins. We we in the golf schools call them our, our sling builders. Mm-hmm. So the way the way we labeled them is chip, chip, punch, turn. Okay, and that was his slang for it. So mm-hmm. yeah, uh, like I said, like Chuck has been probably my my biggest influence. Now when it comes to when it comes to teaching, as you know, now we're having to deviate. You know, if I give eight lessons, they're all different, right? I mean, right. like I'm not trying to put somebody in one pattern per se. I've got I've got my preferences, but what I will say is, you know, you need to be able to do these drills well. Now, if you have a slight variation with somebody has a side under grip or the right hand or the you know, so there's matchups that have to go with all of this stuff, right? right. But, but. They're not just drills. They're shots that you would you would play. Now you might not set up in the impact position if you're trying to hit a low punch under a tree, but you're going to set up pretty close to it. You're just going to turn more into impact. Um, so yeah, so this was this was what what Chuck had really instilled uh, in me about 20 years ago that I have I have kind of you know just kept kept going with because. I, you know, it's like anything. I you go to these things, right? And I I know you well, and we we see each other and all this stuff and all this information that you go to you go to you know all the research with all the PhDs now. It's all great, but you got to be careful trying to guinea pig, right? Yep. Too many people in, 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 in new concepts that haven't been time tested within your own program and belief, right? So, yep. so what I have found is that you know, like ground force and all the new stuff, it's all great. I mean, I love it. And, and uh, it's, all this stuff's important because like you said, I mean, I'm talking about building the foundation. Now, once that foundation is built, now it's okay. How do we apply more horsepower to this? Right. Sure. How do we, how do we turn it into a very reliable car into maybe a potential Ferrari type car? F that's their goal. And you know, their body can handle it and all of that stuff. Right. But yeah, yeah, the building block stuff is, is, is certainly uh, from my Chuck cook days and, and, Man, I just, I, I think it, it, it's just a good, a good, a good system that, that I really strongly believe in. It, there's not one way to teach, as you know, there's a jillion ways to teach. It's just, it's just what I believe in. And, and I kind of keep them, keep them going through. And what's interesting is, you know, you've been teaching a long time is there's times where you'll, you'll maybe go through some stuff and go, hmm, you know, well, let's, let's maybe, you know, I always try to, I always try to try stuff myself before I ever go somewhere with it with somebody. But when you really find something that works, you'll tend to gravitate back towards it anyway. Right. So, um, and, and then once, once, you know, once those vitamins are in place, then, then now, now you're having to teach, now you're having to teach everybody differently. And, but yeah, in our golf schools to this day, when I do golf schools, that first full swing class is, all right, here's the impact drill. Let's take a snapshot of it. We'll put it even on video. Here's where you are. 
you can you can take a snapshot of somebody's impact and come really pretty close to guessing a full swing handicap. Uh, yeah. Now, obviously, you'll see players that look great at impact and they can't break a hundred, uh, <laughs> but but it's that's a little more rare. Um, and obviously, impact is just a blip in time; it's a snapshot picture. You got to see the whole motion. Of course, golf is not a still frame. I get that, but I want them to understand what those impact alignments are. You got to know where home is. If you don't know where home is, then you're, you're gonna you're behind the eight ball a little bit because as you start making a bigger golf swing, you get further away from home. You got to know yeah. how to get back there, right? So, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I think I, it's I think it's interesting. You know, you're on the lesson tee with a new golfer, and maybe it's your first lesson with that new golfer, and they're a high handicapper or, or mid to high handicapper, and you you ask them, you know, hey, I want to see what your impact position looks like in your mind just get into your impact position and then you see that the the deer in the headlights you know kind of glaze on their face they they really don't know oftentimes what what you mean by impact they they can't create a positional element that even resembles a good impact because they they think it's similar to a dress a lot of the times i guess it's just their their concept is not clear on what impact is and where the body is going to need to be, where the club needs to be. I'm just an old common sense guy. I think about a golf club as having, you know, four angles that we're trying to manage. You know, there's a angle of the face directionally, there's the loft, there's the shaft lean, and there's the lie angle. And those four angles, I mean, to me, common sense says if we want this golf ball to respond uh, in a directional way and, and, and control at least the trajectory and direction uh, and spin. We want this club in this position when it strikes against the back of the ball. And so how does my body need to move to create that? You know, that's the way I think about it. But golfers don't, you know, they just don't have that concept understood very often. So you yeah, have exactly. to hopefully give it to them, you know. That's exactly right. And and so, you know, from there, like I think impact, you could say, well, impact is is – is king, but I would I would say that once that's established, I'd go probably a little further back up up the swing and, and say you know where where the rubber meets the road, you know I, and it you could argue that it's borderline more important, but you know the transition of the golf swing right and how mm-hmm. how things move dynamically. Uh, and what, when do they move? And obviously certain body parts move at certain times forward, but, but now you're getting into that critical area of the golf swing, which is the transition, which is arguably, maybe arguably the most important part of the golf swing because it sets up the whole change of direction into impact. Right. So, sure. But, but to that point, there's, there's players that, that, um, you know, transition okay, decently, and and don't quite then understand how the body then continues to, to it's all happening in a flash, obviously, but moving through to get to a good, a good impact position. But, um, you know, you take, you take an older gentleman or lady that's been a very low handicapper in their early years, and as they get into their old and golden years, let's say they're in their mid to upper 70s or even older, their 80s, and 
and they still know how to strike the ball out of the middle of the face and know how to squash it and cover it well and hit down on it. They maybe don't have their extensions of their body or no, you know, they're not posting up like they used to or, or any of the speed or obviously or any of that, but they, but they still understand how to, how to pump the ball and where those impact alignments are. Right. So, mm-hmm. so, uh, that, that's just, an, that's just an, you know, an important, important deal, but, uh, yeah, it's fun. You know, it's a journey on the lesson tee each day. It's, you're, you're dealing with people, right. And everybody learns it differently and feels differently. And, and, uh, so it's, that's the beauty behind teaching golf. Yeah, I also noticed that uh, you know you're uh, you're certified through Titleist Performance Institute and uh, you Sam Putt Lab, the 3D motion from K Vest. I mean, you spend like a lot of instructors in today's uh, you know careers. We spend a lot of time trying to get certified and, and gain these extra knowledges to take to the lesson tee. Uh, um, it says here you're an Aimpoint Express Green reading. Um, so tell me what, how much putting do you do with, with, with aim point? I, obviously you're, you're interested in some putting with the Sam putt lab stuff there. Do you do quite a bit of putting there at your school? Yeah, we certainly, certainly do quite a bit of putting and, and, uh, I do love, I do love aim point. I, uh, here's my opinion. I think I don't force aim point on my students, but what I tell them is here's a great method. You know, as you know, it's, it's here's a very good method to read greens. Now, for you to feel comfortable putting it in play, you need to really understand it. And you need to practice it and and trust it, basically, because if you if your eyes are going to work better if you don't have any idea what you're doing with the feel with your feet and all that. But once you learn it and you feel it and you get a system to understand feeling slope. Then I think it's a superior, it's way, way superior to the eyes, right? So, um, but just the knowledge of understanding it can help the eye read anyway. Uh, But uh, what I have found, the players that have gone through it, whether it's a clinic, whether it's a junior, or just you know an adult going through a aim point class, if they, I want them to come back if they don't understand it or or not or aren't using it enough uh, for a refresher. Uh, because it takes time, but once you get it, boy, I, you know, cause I even teach it and it took me three to six months to feel comfortable knowing what I was doing with it you know, mm-hmm. quite a few years ago. Um, but, but now I, I'd, I'd never trade it just for the I read. Um, so, so yeah, I, I really a big believer in name point, uh, with Sam Putt lab, I think it's great to look under the hood. I try not to show all the data to a lot of my competitive players, I might, I might pull up a couple things that I think we want to look at that are important. But it's 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 a great measurement tool, like like all of it, like TrackMan, like KVS, they're measurement tools. So they they're not teaching tools. You have to teach, but when you can find maybe that white elephant that's in the room that you say, hey, this this one thing right here is going to is going to trickle down and help pretty much everything we need, you know, then, then that's a great thing because that when you can really see under the hood like that, it's, it's hard to catch a lot of that with your eyes. Video can obviously get some of it, but when you're looking at speed, speed and rhythm rate and acceleration numbers and stuff like that, boy, you need that measure. 
No question about it. And that's great. You have all the tools to do that. You know, players that come to you, you they're putting a lot of trust in you. And um, I think it's really important that we as coaches have that data to kind of work from. And it just gives us some insights to things that um, the player doesn't know. I mean, the player, when when they hit a putt and they miss a putt, they they don't often know when to start tinkering with the stroke and changing the stroke. They don't know if it was an aim issue. They don't know if it was a green reading issue. And they just have a real challenge in diagnosing their own issues. And that's fortunately for us, it kind of gives us some job security, you know, in that we can, we can dig a little deeper than they can sometimes and come up with some answers. But uh, those, those technologies help us in our, in our daily work, trying to figure out what's going on. But you, you're right. You're dealing with an individual and, and each individual that we deal with has their own concepts of what they're trying to accomplish. And if we hadn't worked with the player for, for very long, it takes a while for us to get in their head and figure out what's going on with their understanding of the challenge and the concept that they're trying to execute when it comes to hitting the golf shot. That's for sure. So coming from, from Texas and, and being a player, you know, everybody thinks about Texas as being very firm and hard and windy and, and all of that, I'm sure that's that's pretty true in general. It gets hot down there in the summers in Texas too. I, I came to Dallas and played some golf, so I kind of know that area a little bit. Um, tell us, you know, how how does that affect a guy's game? What tendencies do you see a guy coming out of Texas have in their game when they take that out of Texas and try to play worldwide, like Tom Kite or somebody like that? What what do you notice in their game when they they learn the game in Texas? Well, I mean, obviously the grasses are one. We, you know, have much, you know, the Bermuda grass is, uh, let's start with kind of the short game where you're talking about learning how to chip and pitch out of gnarly Bermuda. Um, It is a tough grass to grow up and learn on. And that's why when you have players that come in, you know, we've got that Dell match play. Of course, it didn't go on this year, but. Um, we've had it at Austin Country Club for the last uh, four years that when you look at a few of the players trying to chip and pitch the ball around there, I, I went out and watched uh, last year on Friday and and uh, and saw some really poor chips and pitches. I mean, yeah. I'm sticking it, laying the sod over it kind of deal. And and so, you, you know, it's, it's a tough grass because when you're, let's say you're on a zoysia or, or something that the blades are growing more, more vertical and bent, uh, it's bent a little tighter, but it's a lot easier to chip and pitch off of on that type of, on that type of grass where the blades are growing, not growing as gnarly and you don't have all the grain and all that. So learn how to chip and pitch the ball is important. You gotta, you gotta, there's times where you gotta go ahead and, and, and what I call pinch it or dig it, you know, certainly, certainly the bounce of the club and, and understanding how to use the bounce and not get the leading edge too caught. And, and, and that's a very valuable understanding of how to use the sand wedge. Um, Mm -hmm. But there's certain lives where you have to buckle up and just go, I'm going to lean the shaft and I'm going to hit down on this golf shot. Right. And yep. And if you miss it a little bit, you pay the price, but that, that bounce won't slide through some of this stuff. Right. So, um, so understanding that I watched, um, I think it was two or three years ago, maybe three years ago when, um, Rory 
was uh, playing Jason Day in a match at a whole Austin Country Club, and they had a very similar pitch shot over the, they both drove it over the back of this short par four. It was kind of this risk reward par four. And uh, Jason Day, um, you know, he's certainly more kind of single lever, kind of stricker-ish, not much hinge. Uh, mm-hmm. And Rory's got a little more hinge and, and kind of has to, has to unload it more. But uh, they had this little uphill into the green pitch shot, and Rory got a little hingy and got a little leading edge stick and kind of missed, missed the ball first, and the ball went about three feet. Uh, yeah. And he had to chip it again, and Jason Day had a little wider arc. And so you got to manage that angle of attack as well. And, and, and he had a beautiful pitch shot up there about three or four feet from the hole, and Rory had to chip it again. Uh, yeah. So – Obviously, Rory has a great short game, but what I'm saying is it was different grass, and you know, you, you've got to learn a little different concept or technique off that than you might from a different grass. So that's one thing. And then you deal with the wind in Texas, right? Mm-hmm. And I know it's windy in Florida, but we got a lot of wind. So, so understanding how to flight the ball uh, and hold certain crosswinds is really important. I think besides the firm ground, you know, playing in the wind, I think is an attribute to becoming a pretty good ball striker because you have to work and understand all the windows of trajectory. Uh, And if you can still learn to hit it high when you need it, that's important. I'd I'd say a lot of players that grow up in the wind start getting the shaft to lean too much down the line at impact and they need to understand how to move it up left sooner and unload it a little more to get get things zeroed out a little bit to learn to hit and stand the ball up higher with long irons and stuff like that. So, um, so, so the wind's really, really a, a key understanding in Texas too. So you got firm ground, you got wind and you got Bermuda uh, for the most part. So it, it can be, you know, it can be fairly challenging at times. Yeah. I love to watch a player who can really play, you know, in those, conditions when the wind gets extreme and for me it's it's managing the trajectories and the spins it's oftentimes the players going back into a stiff breeze and these recreational golfers don't understand how to you know take a lot more club and and take some speed out of their swing to keep the spin off of the shot that they're trying to hit it harder you know fighting that wind and balls just spins like crazy and the wind just amplifies the spin and they lose control of their golf ball pretty quickly with that approach it's it's a challenge, you know, it's, it's exact opposite, as they said over in Scotland, swing easy when it's breezy, and, and you've got to have to understand that spin uh, has to be controlled and minimized when you're playing in windy conditions into the wind. You might want to spin it more when you're going downwind to keep the ball in the air. Uh, right. But, uh, you know, it's interesting understanding all those things, and players yeah. don't, don't, don't really understand it oftentimes. Yeah, uh, ironically, so yeah. Uh, yeah, sorry. I, ironically, Tom Watson, what he won five opens and he was a high ball hitter, but he knew how to take some speed off and kind yeah. of chip, chip full swings, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think of, we talk about the angle of attack and that's a, an element of uh, the short game and, and certainly full swing as well. But in pitching and chipping, how oftentimes players choose to hit that steeper angle of attack with that leading edge, you know, kind of in a digging position. Uh, and I think about that. You might play that shot, as you mentioned, off a hard pan in Texas, and you're driving that ball down under the wind, hit down on it, and kind of pinch it. 
But if you get in a situation like Spieth was in at Augusta on that soft terrain down there, short of 12 after he hit it in the water, and you, you play it back in your stance and you try to get steep and dig that, you hit it a little heavy, then you pay the price, you know. So it's managing that angle of attack and that leading edge and that bounce, as we call it, um, appropriately for the lie and, and the shot you're trying to play. That's, that's the skill in the short game for sure. 100%. I, I had to learn that when I went to, you know, growing up in, growing up in uh, Texas. And, and I think there's a, you know, I think with golfers, I see it a lot with, as, as, as players become adults, but the players that, that just pinch the ball or, or lean the shaft and hit down on it with a little too much shaft lean, I think there's a shelf life of nerves on that. I think yeah. as, you get older, as you get older, uh, you know, one or two or three bad shots when you don't want them, um, mm -hmm. that, that kind of stays with the mind. And, mm -hmm. uh, and then you get, you know, you, that's, that's where I think a lot of the short game, you know, obviously short game issues and yips come from is not understanding how to use the bounce and I had to learn it as a player because growing up as a kid, you know, I was I, like probably most of us, I was taught early on, you know, ball back, hands forward. Yep. Go ahead and drive the ball down and get, get steep on it and stuff like that. As we were saying, there's certain, maybe certain lines where you got to do that. But when you're trying to hit it, you know, I went through high school. I was pretty good short game in college. I, I went out to Abilene, started getting some pretty – some tight lies, but I, but I needed to, I needed to hit the soft shots a little bit more. And I didn't have that. I didn't have mm -hmm. that, that understanding that I needed. Um, so it took me a while, you know, to really understand a little bit more of how the club needed to really, really work. And, and certainly, um, you know, there's been a lot of great evolving research with short game, like anything. And, and, and we're, you know, where the body needs to be and how that helps you, uh, you know, get rid of the club and use it. So matching up all the angle of attacks like we were talking about. But I tell you what, understanding how to how to use the bounce and zero that thing out and, and knowing that it's your friend and you you have some latitude to hit behind the golf ball and, mm -hmm. and, and, not, and not chunk it. That's a big deal to understand. And a lot of golfers need to, if they don't understand it, they need to run out to their local pro and, and figure that out because that's a big deal. Yeah, I, I think that's one of the biggest advancements in our instructional world is in short game and understanding the variables with lie and trajectory and spin. And what we're trying to help a player understand is there's not, there's not one approach that's going to apply to every situation and give you the results you're trying to get. You know, you, you have to vary your technique to be good at short game. You can't just go at it with the ball back in your stance and the handle forward and hit down on it. You know, as we were taught as kids, and that that has such a narrow margin of error bringing the club to proper contact onto the golf ball. It lends itself to those thin shots where you hit the top of the ball and drive it down in the ground thin over the green. And then if you hit a little behind it, like you say, you peel the sod over it and it goes a couple of feet. So you know, working that technique, like you say, there's a life, there's a shelf life on that. After you've missed a few, <laughs> it's kind of nervy to hit those shots. Taking that technique and and trying to apply it to every situation is just not a good approach. So you, you got to vary your technique and understand all those things. 
exactly right. And what do people mainly do when they hit a shot fat or blade it? They move it more back trying to hit the ball first, right? right, right. So, so, yeah, and, and I think we've all been through that. And when I really understood where some of my little mishits came from quite a few years ago, I, it was, and then I'm talking, you know, as I got out of college and started working uh, and teaching and, and, and understand a little more about the short game and, and stuff like that, but I, had, I, I was going about it all wrong. I, had, I, I, needed to, I needed to move the ball forward uh and on a basic pitch shot way more forward and and let the club go more right yeah, so yeah it, it's um uh, counterintuitive yeah, counterintuitive like all things in golf right is yep. basically if you think it's this it's it's the other right so um but yeah short game short game's a big deal and and navigating that um uh, especially in bermuda and, and reading the grain and all of that is, is a tough, tough, tough grass to chip and pitch out of for sure. So, and we were talking a little bit about technique in the short game and, and going deeper into the technique world. I know Mac O'Grady um, was a guy who, um, you know, I, I never spent any time around Mac. I did meet him briefly once here in North Carolina. He came to Monday qualify for a champions tour event over at rock barn where I used to be director of instruction and shook his hand and met him briefly. Um, I'm not sure if he played right-handed or left-handed that day, to be honest with you. I, I can't remember. But uh, what were some of the things that you learned from spending that little bit of time with Mac? I mean, he's, um, he's, he's written the book in a lot of ways on the modern golf swing and was way ahead of his time in some regards. What, what are some of the things you took away from that time you spent with him? So when, when I first – so when Mac – so I was working – this was in about 2008. I uh, I was just I was still working with Chuck, and Mac was coming into Austin, and he was gonna he was gonna he had a qualifier for a senior event that he was gonna play in, and he and he wanted to play a practice round uh, at this course. So he he connected with Chuck because he's he's known Chuck a long time and. And so I had, the, I had the opportunity to go out and play play uh, around the golf with Mac and Chuck, um, and he was uh, he was how old is he now? He was in his early sixties then. So, but I mean, striked it, didn't really miss a shot, didn't make any putts. You know, right. he missed missed everything that day, but he he striped it. So it was impressive. So, so that kind of was when the first time I met my Mac, and then and then. That was right during my transition. Chuck was leaving the academy, and and I was taking it over. and And I contacted Mac to bring him in for a golf school. And about this was now three months down, three or four months down the road. And so I brought him in, and he was did a week golf school, one week. And um, I was actually a chauffeur. He didn't have a rental car, and he was staying at a hotel downtown. <laughs> and I got home at about one thirty every morning. <laughs> we ate we ate at this steakhouse across from his hotel every night same place and uh my wife was kind of happy that week was over to be honest with you uh <laughs> but uh you know we 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 did a golf school from eight to about six thirty, and then and then uh he i, I gave him a ride to his hotel and and then I, I ran home real quick and then anyway I got got back and we met 
across the just right next door to his hotel that there's a steak restaurant every night and so we talked golf but anyway so so it was an interesting week and and it, I, you know what i would probably say with mac what i what i learned the most i learned a lot about a lot of a lot about the eyes a lot about neck tilts and the importance of of how all the alignments of the spine are at, at set up and and how to read that a little bit better with players and understanding how that is going to influence a lot of the pivot stuff going on. Um, and then obviously a lot of his ideas on the, the concentric arcs and how the body works, you know, he's a big believer in the, the shoulders turning at right angles to the spine. Not a lot of, you know, he was not, he was not a left side post. He was more center. Um, mm-hmm. I won't get into what he thought of, Stack and tilt. <laughs> we'll go there, uh, but uh, that the stack and tilt pattern in his mind was his short iron draw pattern only, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and but but so what was interesting is he could demonstrate, as you know, he can play right and left handed, but but he 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 could demonstrate all patterns. So like if he was going to talk about Jack Nicholas. Or as he says, Nicklaus. Uh, yeah, Nicklaus. Uh, he would he could he could explain Jack's pattern, uh, and and then he would come up to you and say, "Is that right or wrong? Is that right or wrong?" And <laughs> you're, you go, "Well, it's it's right. That's right. It's right. It, it, you know, it works for him." <laughs> or then he would explain, you know, he'd explain somebody else's pattern. Is, is that right or wrong? Well, I guess it's right. Yeah, yeah, it works for him. All right. So, right. so, so he understood. He understood matchups pretty well. But his obviously his big deals were, uh, which I'd kind of already gleaned because because Chuck had spent quite a bit of time around Mac. But his big deals are he had a CP pattern, right, and he had a CF mm-hmm. pattern, and and understanding those patterns a little bit more, uh, I think was a big deal for me. I, I still like with juniors, for instance, my CF pattern is a little bit different than, than I think what Mac really likes. Uh, you know, in a CF, he just calls CF, meaning the club is slinging away from the body more, um, kind of more of a rightward throw, right. Of the, of the club or CP is more of the handle working tight in around the arc to the body, right? So um, understanding those patterns a little bit more, but I would say the neck tilts and the eyes and and then just understanding really what his his concepts were with how the spine worked too. Like a lot of the tilting and turning and extending that you could say was that brought to the masses through through stack and tilt as far as the the vernacular and the terminology and all of that um you know that that was language he was speaking already right so yeah um and understanding a little bit more of 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 the extensions of the spine and and he would say come 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 to my back feel my back you feel that you know you can push your hand right on the middle Mm -hmm. of his back you feel those muscles and 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 uh so he he uh you know, had, had certainly a good understanding of what he taught 
and and his pattern and and you didn't you know if you were going to go through the mac deal you you didn't deviate right so yeah uh it was pretty much all or nothing but yeah valuable time and then after that school uh, really had a lot of really cool phone calls where where uh, the, sometimes they would last quite honestly three to four hours and so it, it was you had to schedule that call but it was you know, very fortunate to do that but it would be like okay you got your phone in your left ear all right stand stand in stand in the middle of that door frame you got a door right there okay i got a door i right, go to the door frame all right put your right hip against the door okay i'm, I'm there <laughs> you know yeah all right now turn now now turn now what's your right hip doing it's moving slightly inside that's right you see that gapping so you know mm-hmm. you know a lot of a lot of a lot of understanding a little bit of the pivot now whether or not you you totally bought into 100% of that right i mean i i wouldn't say i wouldn't say you know, you forge your own way right so i wouldn't say i jumped in and started started teaching the morad pattern right away but i certainly gleaned a lot from that right oh, um, yeah. uh so pretty cool and like as you know he's he's uh, a lot of what teachers teach a lot of a lot of that stuff was kind of early day mac right um mm-hmm. and a lot of the ideas that that a lot of the new modern teachers teach come a lot a lot from the mac stuff for sure and and uh so yeah pretty pretty cool he's yeah, it's always fascinated. It's always fascinated me about you know guys like Mac and and um, I could name a few others and don't necessarily mean anything negative in this regard, but these incredible ball strikers and their incredible knowledge of movements of the body and and how ahead of his time he really was as a player. What do you think would have helped him be a better putter? I mean, it's it's fascinating to me that a guy can know so much about the body and know so much about full swing and how things move and they just aren't incredible at putting what what skills do you think he needed or didn't have or what would have helped him as a coach you say hey mac i want to help you learn to putt if you learn to do this better you'd win on tour you know what do you think you would have done to help him there well <laughs> um boy that's a loaded question i'm sure he what well, won't well, you know, maybe he won't listen to this podcast, but, uh, um, no, I would say this, you know, when, so when we played that round of golf, right. Um, so here's what he was doing. Okay. He had his ideas, um, but they were different, right? So he was staying, he was putting left-handed, hit hit the ball right-handed that day. Right. And he had the ball almost outside his, his right foot. So it was way forward. Okay. And his head, he had about six inches intentionally, six to eight inches behind the ball. I mean, he was way behind the ball. Like it was, it was Nicholas style on steroids. He had it way forward. And what he was doing at the time was he was stretching his eyeballs to, to the right, basically looking at the ball where he had max stretch of the muscles of the eyeballs. And his concept of that stretch was that his eyes would not flinch, okay? So if he stretched the muscles of the eyes, uh, being that the ball was that far outside his right foot, he had to, through his peripheral vision, look out there, and he had to stretch the eyeball. 
and he felt like that stabilized the eye. So he was obviously going through a, a period where he felt like he his eyes were bouncing too much, and he felt like that was where a lot of flinchy yips come from, right? So, mm, wow. So that was his, you know. I mean, he 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 did a lot of research with different people. Now he never published any of his stuff. So to answer your question, it, you know, I I, I could probably answer that question with 99.9999999% of people. And he might be the one that that would be a deeper conversation with, right? Mm -hmm. uh, as far as what to do to fix him. But because I obviously did haven't spent that much time around him. All I know is um, he, he probably didn't research putting as much as the full swing, obviously, but he says he, he says he did. So or at least yeah. he, he said that that week that he'd spent plenty of time, you know, researching putting. But he, you know, I I probably would have tried to get all the technical aspect out of Mac with putting. If 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 he was just a mm -hmm. blank slate, I didn't know Mac, and this is what he was going through, then I would I would. It, you got to get people back to that kid level of putting. I mean, how 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 well did we generally all putt as a kid, right? Mm -hmm. Most of us putted pretty well, and we weren't thinking that much, right? Uh, it goes back to the whole pre-shot routine and the visualization. And I mean, once the stroke is pretty decent, it, as you know, it becomes green reading and confidence. And it's like the, it's like Harvey Pinnock used to say, Hey, you want to, you want to putt better. You go hang out with great putters. Right. Right. In other words, right. you, you got to believe that you're a great putter. Right? Yeah. And, and, and that's where, that's where it starts. Like for instance, just real quick, I, you know, Jeev Milka Singh, which we were talking about, played on our team from India and, and made probably 14 or $15 million playing golf, uh, you know, in Asia and Europe and all that. His stroke, he had this loop, like his golf swing, he, he picked it up, he, he looped it and popped down on his putts. I mean, it was a, it was a reroute, lift, putter came <laughs> straight up off the ball, popped down on his putts, really handsy, poppy stroke. But he made a lot of putts. Yeah. And he had, he had unbelievable self-belief. And every night, Jeeve, in a, in a notepad, ever since I knew Jeeve and through college, he was, he was doing it. And it was some of his early um, days of, of uh, kind of the whole being around the Indian culture and meditation. But he would write down, I was born to win 10 times every night on a, on a notepad. Wow. And I don't care where we were, if we were at a tournament or if we were like one year we came to actually Corpus where I'm from, the whole team spring break, you know, we went out, did the, did the stupid college kid stuff and came in at one or two at night. And he brought that notepad out and wrote 10 times. So he, it was religious that he did it every night. Right. So he had this unbelievable self-belief in, in himself and, and he, you know, he ended up, he didn't, he wasn't a world champion major player, but he took a game and made a lot of money playing golf. And, and uh, so I think that that's where it would start, right? You've got to get in, you've got to, you got to peel back all the layers with somebody who's really struggling with putting. And you've got to, you got to start from the basics of saying, you got to believe you're a great putter and mm -hmm. you got to go through all that visualization and, and, and you got to get 
way more right brain and that's a problem right because when you start and mac is very left brained and left brained you can strike the ball you can strike the ball left brain okay i, I mean mm -hmm. i don't want to get into the whole concept of right brain left brain and 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 the importance of of, of not having too many swing thoughts and and that's important right you can't you can't be thinking too much but you can groove a golf swing left brain and you can you can be a ball striker way more left brain than you can be a great putter left brain um yeah so i would yeah, try to get as much right brain as possible but that might be hard <laughs> that's interesting I mean, everybody's different and just the way he approaches putting it seems so unorthodox and and when you watch his golf swing you think perfection in orthodox i mean you just it, there's just so backwards That's from right. each other yeah. you know it's interesting would well, you ever spend any time around uh the burks uh, jackie burke there in in texas you ever get to see him or spend any time with him didn't get to spend it but, but boy a lot of stories with the burks oh yeah stories um i grew up playing some junior golf with robin burke who was uh my age and he was part of the Burke family, so that was unbelievable. They're kind of like the Harmon family, right? Right. Uh, those two families, boy, you talk about golf families and the golf instruction families, pretty incredible. Yeah, my favorite story was uh, Jim McLean told me that uh, Mr. Burke had given him a lesson about his driver. He was headed to Augusta or something one year as a as an amateur. I think he got to play as a an amateur might have been a pro. I'm not really clear on that, but he uh, wasn't driving the ball very accurately. And he said, Mr. Burke said, uh, I want you to go down to the coast in Corpus Christi. I want you to hit this bucket of balls in the ocean with your driver. And he yeah. said he did. He, he hit it better than he's ever hit it. He said, well, how'd you hit it? He said, I hit it great. He said, well, good. That's how I want you to hit it. And uh, he said he drove it great when he went to Augusta, but it was just freed him up, you know, to swing. You weren't going to miss the ocean, for goodness sakes. You know, he had been steering it and was tight and guiding it and all this other stuff. And he said it was, it was his lesson, you know, hit hit this bucket of balls in the ocean, see how you do. Yeah, I, well, that's kind of that's kind of like, uh, you know, that, that sounds like a Harvey Pinnock because you had you had these great teachers that were so ahead of their time uh with how they how they approached people right and, mm -hmm. and understanding understanding the human and and uh just really 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 impressive uh with how they would take take players and, and get them to perform well with uh with, yeah i know they you know certainly understood the golf swing quite a bit but just the human element along with understanding mechanics um, pretty pretty impressive but yeah i he's he's still he's still at uh in champions um you know in houston um and i think that he's jimmy burst 90 something now and yeah tommy burke is in his pushing 90 90 as well down in corpus still so yeah i see steve elk even gets over there from time to time and spends a little time with mr burke and and they do some video and it's, it's fun to watch that stuff it's really great and a lot of their their thinking is still applicable today in terms of simplifying things and that's what that's what our golfers need. They want us to go out and do all the heavy lifting and learn the technical stuff and then just turn it into something simple that they can do and and hopefully make them better, you know? 
So yeah. that that's a great that's a great part of where you're where you're at. You know, you've got so many great golf instructors, but uh, you you've been very successful yourself and and become a great instructor from spending time with people and being smart and and learning. So golfers are in good hands if they come see you, Breck. I'm I'm really excited for you, man. Keep doing what you're doing. I'm gonna fire some rapid questions as we wrap up today. Just a little fun questions about your your golf and um. I call them the forecast questions. So how many hole-in-ones you had as a golfer in your career? I've had five. Holy cow. Uh, how many double eagles? I've had one double eagle. That's that's great, too. And lowest 18-hole uh, score in competition? Competition is 65. That's great. How about your favorite golf course that uh, that you've played? i got to go with Cypress Point there. That's a good one. That's a good one. How about the your your favorite golf course that you haven't played that you'd like to play? I want to play Augusta. I've been there, yeah. but I'd, I'd love to play it. So since you've been there, what's your favorite Masters sandwich? Oh, I'm going to go with Pimento. Um, yeah. I've, I've got to go, go with the Pimento. Yeah. Speaking of the Masters, what do you think is going to happen this uh, November if they get to play it? What, how's the golf course going to be in November? Well, boy, that's a, that's a good question. I would think that I would think they're 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 pretty good. The, the Green Jacket gentlemen are pretty good at having that golf course in pretty excellent shape. Uh, so i I think it I think it's going to be I think it's going to the course setup will probably be pretty similar to my guess. But uh, it's going to be interesting having two masters within what five months of each other. Yeah. That's that's great great for the golf viewers. Boy, you get a lot of stuff packed in quickly, but it'll definitely be different for sure. Yeah, if uh, it comes off the way things are scheduled, it's it's going to be yeah. a jam packed season. You know, at the end and just everything week to week, it's just going to be like six majors in in a very small amount of time for sure. Yeah. So what's what's the what's the best perk in your current job? The best perk in my current job well that's that's a good question i would say if, if, if we're just talking if we're just talking perk of course in the golf business having the great relationships with all the fantastic manufacturers uh, with clubs and you know my i've got a great relationship with callaway uh, and i've got a great relationship with nike uh on the and the clothing and apparel side. So I would say just, just those relationships, uh, great, great part to have. And, and there's certainly wonderful people that, that are working for those, those companies. So that's certainly probably a great perk. Yeah. And, and your best advice for all these young coaches out there that want to get into the teaching of golf and, and progress their careers, what's your best advice for them getting into it? I would say keep an open mind and go out and most most teaching pros are very receptive to having uh, young teachers come out. And I know I've got a bunch that come out and watch me teach and, and shadow and I welcome that. There might be some rare times that that I might want them to hold off on doing that, but it, that would be very rare. I would say 95% of the time I'm very open to that and 
And so I think the more you can go out and watch and learn from others, I mean, I've like spending time with Mac and a lot of time with Chuck and, and Ben Doyle and, and, uh, you know, spent some time obviously with Mike Adams and, and been around Mike Bender some, I mean, all these, all these ideas, right. And teachers, you're, you pick, you, you glean from all of it. I mean, there's times where, where I might, take a component of learn from one and understand that that pattern kind of works well from uh, for this person and, and stuff like that. So don't, don't get so narrow minded that you think your way is the highway because there's a reason why teachers have had success with players right now. Uh, the more you can go out and learn, as you know, and keep learning, that's, that's why we do what we do. So that's what I would tell most is, Go out and watch as many teachers as you can watch teach golf, and you're going to learn something. That's great advice. I tell you what, my friend, you are you're on the road to stardom, and you're there. So uh, anybody in the in the Texas area, man, drive across the state, drive across the country, and spend time with Brex Bradley, and you're going to get better as a golfer, and probably better as a person for it, man. I've enjoyed our chat today, Breck. You're, you're um, tell everybody how to get in touch with you on social media and say hello. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Alan. Thanks for having me on. I enjoyed it. Uh, so I'm at the Barton Creek Golf Academy. Um, that, that website's bartoncreekgolfacademy.com. On social media, um, on Instagram, the Brex Bradley Golf. Um, and I'd love to have you come out if you're in Texas. And I know we're not traveling much right now, but hopefully soon that'll happen. And we'd, we'd love to have you come in and visit the academy. Uh, for a little, little golf swing stuff or, or whatever you want to work on. So thanks for having me on. I enjoyed it. Hey, Breck, it's been my pleasure, and I look forward to seeing you soon, buddy. All the best to you and your family and and all those girls in your family. I know uh, I think I heard you have four four young ladies in your family besides your wife, so you're outnumbered over there, it sounds like. I'm outnumbered. I've got, I've got quadruplet girls that are 17 right now. So 17, wow. There's a, there's a lot a lot of, lot of, uh, uh, I don't, I wouldn't call it drama, but yeah, you know, there's, 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 there's some drama going on in my house all the times, but no, I'm, we're super blessed times four and, and I wouldn't, wouldn't trade it obviously for the world, but, uh, yeah, four 17 year old girls. So they're, they're, uh, going to be going through their junior year, obviously, uh, doing everything from home right now. They, they close the school, but, uh, They'll be seniors next year, and then it'll be college time. So there's a lot going on. Well, work hard, my friend. With four to put into college, I'm sure they're helping you with their academics and athletics. So maybe there'll be some scholarships to ease the pain a little bit. But, uh, yeah, all the best to you, my friend. And uh, stay safe over there in Texas. I'll uh, wrap it up today and uh, tell all my listeners I really appreciate you tuning in. You've listened to Brex Bradley from uh, Barton Creek Golf Academy in Austin, Texas this morning. Breck is a Class A PGA member. He's a Golf Channel Academy lead coach. He's got many, many awards. The Harvey Penick Teacher of the Year Award. He's ranked best in state by Golf Digest Magazine uh, since 2013 to present. He spent a lot of quality time learning the golf swing. So you're in good hands if you go over and spend some time with Breck. I want to thank the listeners and my sponsors. I look forward to another episode of The Forecast coming up very soon. Stay safe out there, golfers, and uh, just keep enjoying the time together. Thanks again.
You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.